Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Dr. Cindy McGovern. She is known across the globe as the first lady of sales. She is an expert in sales leadership and communication. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Every Job is a Sales Job, How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work, and CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting. She's earned a reputation by leading hundreds of companies to business growth and industry dominance. She helps take the ick out of sales and empowers people to embrace their inner five-year-old to use the art of selling to achieve the personal and professional goals. Cindy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation. So how did you get so good at sales and how did you become a consultant? (laughs) It's very funny because I never wanted to be in sales. And then I got put into a sales role when I was at a consulting and training company. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. I can't do this. This is not who I am. And what's funny is I realized very early in that role, I'd been selling my whole life. I just didn't call it sales. So when you ask the question, like, how did I become good at sales? I think we're all good at sales. It was just my intention around it changed once I got into that. And then that's actually what led me to do the consulting that I do now. What led me to read my book is because I went, wait a second, I have three degrees in communication and nobody told me this. <laughs> like, I have to tell people, I have to help people with this. So that's how I got into this role is i realize sales is not just a business skill, it's a life skill, and I got to tell the world. So why do you think people have such a negative image of sales? Because it's literally what we're taught. I have this avatar in my mind of a salesperson, and I literally call him Tommy Two Thumbs because I picture the used car sales, you know, plaid pants, white shoes coming across the lot at you. Like, That's what we think of sales. And it's even funny because I hear salespeople say, oh, but I'm not a salesperson. It's like, you are, you're not that kind. And I think it gives everybody a bad connotation of sales. But the truth of the matter is we're selling all day, every day. We just don't call it that. (laughs) So I think we have this icky feeling because we don't want to be that pushy salesperson. But that's such a small population of the sales industry. You're not going to be that. You're going to help people. That's what real sales is about. What about those people that say, I'm not a salesperson? They're my favorite (laughs) because they are salespeople. They just don't want to be Tommy. And we have to think about like the way that we go through our day. You're selling your kid on eating their broccoli. That's a sales conversation. You just call it convincing. You're getting your friends to go out for pizza instead of salads. That's a sales conversation. You're talking to your boss about extending a deadline. That's a sales conversation. You're working with a vendor to get something earlier. That's a sales conversation. They're all sales. You're just thinking of sales. Like the people that say, I'm not a salesperson, they're thinking of it like, I'm not Tommy. I don't want you to be Tommy. Nobody wants to be Tommy. Tommy doesn't want to be Tommy. So why do you believe that sales is not just a business skill, but it's a life skill? I do believe we do it every day. I mean, and one of the more important things is like selling ourselves. You know, if you're selling yourself to a, 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 call, a client or a, even just a friend, selling your business brand, your personal brand, 
that's truly a sales tactic. And so I think we're doing this every day, but there is a way to do it. So like most things in life, there is a formula, there is a process. And once you know that you're selling and you have a sales process, you can do it with intention and you can get better results. And so that's what I want to do is help people to adopt a process that's not just for business, but it's for their life. And it's going to help you reach both, like you said, your personal and professional. What are the things that people can do to look for opportunities to sell every day? So it starts with a plan. And I think that's really the biggest thing I would tell people is planning is such a huge part of having a successful sales process. But a lot of people think of sales as just the tactical nature of it. I think if you have a solid plan, those opportunities actually present themselves. So think about it just in life. Let's say you want to buy a blue sedan car. You start noticing them everywhere. And the reason is because it's it changes where it, they just stored in your short-term and long-term memory, and you start recognizing it. And so it's actually called blue car syndrome, where you start seeing them everywhere because it's part of your intention. So very similarly in sales, once you know where you want to go, maybe you're looking to grow this aspect of your business and you're like, okay, this is my intention. This is the kind of client I'm looking for. You start to see them. I mean, I, I, I talk about it even with shoes. Like when you see somebody's really cool shoes and you're like, I want those. You start noticing everybody's shoes. It's an easy way to start really embracing sales without it being that icky part. It's literally looking for opportunities to help people with your services. I like that. Uh, uh, that it's them noticing what they need. Yeah. Yeah. What are the steps people need to take to be able to sell in any job? So I teach a five-step formula and there are many, many sales processes out there. But part of what I wanted to do, Amy, is give people something that was easy to hold on to and easy to implement. So my five steps are that plan that we mentioned. The second one is actually funny enough, looking for opportunities, because if you raise your own awareness around it, whether it's growing your business or doing something personally, you start to see that. And then the third step is actually the most important one, in my opinion, which is establishing trust with those around you. It's trust in your brand. You, This is what you do, right? It's establishing trust in your brand, but trust that you're going to be a good partner, a good vendor, a good whatever it is, or if it's a center of influence, that you're going to be a good representative of them. If somebody is going to refer you, it's that you're going to make them look good. And then the fourth step is asking. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. We don't ask for what we want just even in, in life, but you have to ask for the business and you have to ask for what it is that you want. And I, and I kind of subscribe to the philosophy, ask for what you want, take what you can get, <laughs> but, but there has to be an ask in there anyways. And then last, but certainly not least, just following up with gratitude. And I come from sort of a, a place of abundance with my practice. And I really do believe that there's a lot of people out there that we could help. And whether I'm your fit or not, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have the conversation because now you're a walking commercial for me and for what I do, even if it wasn't a fit for you. So I believe there's always good follow-up and coming from that place of gratitude because you've now created that network. Why do you say that every job is a sales job? Because number one, you have to get an interview to get it, right? So, so that's, that's true. You're selling yourself in an interview. So that's one thing. But I really do believe you're not just selling with words, you're selling with actions as well. So it's funny when the book launched, I was on a sales podcast and they were like, okay, we're going to play stump Dr. Cindy. And they threw all these jobs at me and we're like, okay, well, how is this a sales job? How is this a sales job? 
one of my favorite ones that they threw at me was a janitor. They're like, but how is a janitor a sales job? And I said, because if you're a consumer or you work in that building and you walk in that next morning and it's not clean, it completely changes your experience. So they may not necessarily be selling with words, they're selling with actions. And I think that's a lot of what we do just as humans. We're constantly selling with our actions, the way we carry ourselves, the way that we sit in a room or sit in a meeting or sit on a Zoom. And so we have to realize that we're actually selling 24-7. We just maybe don't call it that. So every job absolutely is a sales job. Is it important for non-salespeople to embrace sales, which the non-salespeople are going, no. So what's funny about that is I was one of them, right? Like I never wanted to be in sales. And if you had told my 20-year-old self, fast forward all of these years, we won't count them, but like fast forward all of these years that I would be known as the first lady of sales, I would have given you the biggest eye roll on the planet because I didn't want to be in sales. I had that Tommy two thumbs ickiness thing. And so it's funny because the non-sales people are the ones that need it the most because they're already doing it. It's just, could they be doing it better? Like a true salesperson, if it says on your business card, you have a sales process, you know, the steps, you know, the angles of, you know, what to take and how to word things. The non-salesperson is already selling. The problem is, are you selling as good as you could be? Could you be doing something even a tiny bit different? An example I give a lot of our clients is, think about a recipe. You could wing it and it would probably come out pretty good. But if you wanted consistent results, which we want in our business, why wouldn't you follow a recipe? That's good. So can you give us an example of what you mean by an unofficial sale? Yeah. So I talk about this in the book because I think there are unofficial sales every day of our lives in just what we're doing. I think we're unofficially selling ourselves to the mail carrier when we see them during the day because they're getting an impression of where you live, where your neighborhood is. I think when you pass a customer in the lobby in your organization, the way that you interact with them, whether you smile, whether you don't. And I heard a story just the other day where um, there was a building that was having fire alarm issues, whatever. And the building manager walked past every single person standing out in this parking lot and didn't say a word. They all knew this person was the building manager. He didn't say anything to anyone. That was an unofficial sale and he sold the wrong thing. He sold that he didn't care he sold that you guys are not important. He sold that I don't care if you're afraid, if you're nervous. Like these people are literally standing out in the rain in a parking lot. And when I heard this, I was like, oh my God, that was an unofficial sale. But he completely sold the wrong thing. And so I invite the listeners and everybody watching, like, are you selling the thing you intend to be selling? Because these unofficial sales, even if you didn't have an intention that my goal was to get blank, it's an interaction. You're leaving an impression and are you leaving the right one? I love that. I have to tell you that a couple of years ago, it was probably about 2015, I took this course on uh, confidence and it, and it talked about simple things uh, like body language and to put your shoulders back. And I was a repeat offender of slouching and I didn't understand how it impacted the people that are around me. 
And uh, so when I made, I started to make this effort to put my shoulder, my shoulders back, always making sure. And especially if I would get up and speak or, you know, was in the group or in a board meeting, whatever it is, completely transformed how everyone saw me. And I went from being seen as like not having confidence to, will you teach everyone else confidence? Oh my gosh. Amazing. That's a great story. Just my shoulders. <laughs> and so now, you know, like I, I'm not, you know, perfect at it, but I always try to remember, you know, chest up, shoulders back. And yeah. So, that, you know, it's funny. I love, I love that though, Amy, because that actually even changes the way your voice projects. That's the way you breathe. I, like, I'm sure you learned all of that in that, in that course, but it's so interesting. And then you became the expert. You sold them unofficially on the fact that you're the confidence lady, which you are, you're amazing, but you literally sold them on that, but it was an unofficial sale. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so in your book, you talk a lot about gratitude. Um, that's not something most of us feel from the people that we sell that sell us stuff. <laughs> what are some ways to show gratitude to people to say yes uh, to you besides just saying thank you to them? Yeah. So I want to address that in twofold because I think you made a really good point. Most of us don't feel gratitude to the people that sold us <laughs> and probably because they sold us. And I believe there's sort of two ways of selling. There's what I call transaction ships. And then there's relationships. And the kind of sales that I'm talking about is relationships. Because even if it's a brief encounter, you're making an impact. A transaction ship is, I want to push something on you and move on. I don't care what happens after that. And that's that icky kind of sale. So I think that's something to consider is they're not showing you gratitude by giving you a transaction ship moment. So I understand why you don't want to feel gratitude towards <laughs> that. Think about even your transactional relationships. Maybe it's your dry cleaner. You keep going back. Why? Because you feel cared for. It's a good experience. And you're grateful for them. You're grateful for the fact that they could do a one-day turnaround. You're grateful for the fact that they, you know, look to make sure the buttons are all taken care of before you go pick up your stuff. Like there's little things that happen in that. And that's sort of that gratitude piece where I think we do feel that. And it, it's something that I would invite everybody that's listening and watching today to, to think about as a consumer yourself. When's the last time as a consumer, you felt grateful for an experience that you had? And was it, you know, you lost your luggage and they found it? It was that somebody brought you, you know, a free dessert at a restaurant? Was it that you were literally running to the coffee store and they were closing the doors and they held them open for you, you know? Where was a moment where you felt it? And think about the impact it made on the rest of that day. And it's a tiny, tiny thing, but it actually affects everything else. And I, I feel like if we give gratitude, it's sort of as a pay it forward. And so I, I really believe that gratitude piece is what keeps us coming back as customers. And so I invite everybody that is listening and watching to think about how are you showing that gratitude to your customer? How are you making them feel important? And it's not just about that transaction or that relationship, but like truly, it's not just thank you. It's creating a meaningful experience for them. So they want to go tell someone about it. And, and, you know, we talk marketing all day long, but you know, that's like, if I have a bad experience, I'm going to go tell 3000 people. If I have a good experience, I'm going to tell like two, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, talk about make them, make them feel 
a way that makes them want to tell the story of that experience. And I think gratitude is that emotion. That's good. Yeah. You need those raving fans. Yes. (laughs) So what, what themes in your book do you believe are relevant to the current news topics that are going on right now, society, the world, or life in general? Yeah. You know what? That's a great question. And there's a couple that, that sort of come to mind, Amy. And the first one is transition. You know, we're sort of in this place of transition as a world right now, but a lot of people are in transition, whether they're hybrid work environment, going back in an office full time, seeking customers in a different way than they used to as an entrepreneur. You know, there's a lot of things happening. And so one of the themes of my book is about getting clear on what your intention and your plan is. And, you know, at the time of the recording of this, we're, we're, you know, coming up at the end of the year. And so a lot of people are looking at their strategic plans for the following year, which personally, I believe planning is, is dynamic and it's ongoing. But those are some of the themes in the book that I talk very specifically about how to handle that and how to go after those plans and really create that intention. And then another one of the themes in the book that I think is really relevant right now is everybody I know is is trying to sort of almost rebrand, right? <laughs> like in this world, whether it's personally, whether it's professionally for your business, but that's another piece where you're selling that brand. What are the activities? What are the things that are out there about you, about your business that reinforce that brand or take inventory and get that feedback on the things that are detracting from that brand. And those are things I talk about in the book because you're selling it one way or the other. Make sure the information that you have out there is what you want out there and then create those minions to help you. You know, nobody does this alone. And I think there's this sort of feeling that, oh, but I have to do it. You know, I'm an entrepreneur and this is my business or I'm the leader, I'm a manager, I'm a this, I'm a that. Nobody does this life alone. Lean on the people that can help you. And that's in the book as well. Like seek guidance, seek seek help, seek support. So what are examples of sales opportunities that people overlook? Wow. That's a loaded question. There are so many of them. The first one I would say is actually the personal brand. Very similar to your confidence example that we don't recognize we are selling ourselves. And, And it's funny because I have this conversation with clients a lot over video conferencing. And everybody wears what I call the mullet of clothes, right? You're like business on the top, but you have like gym shorts on the bottom or something. (laughs) The one day that I would wear that would be the day that tech all failed and I had to stand up or something. Like I can't, (laughs) like I have to be full hair and makeup, full clothes, ready to go. Cause that would just be the day that everything went, went to, you know, haywire. But, but I think what happens is we're not recognizing that even in what you wear, even in your email exchanges, your text exchanges, those are all those sales opportunities. And I've seen a little bit of kindness seep away um, in the last few months as everybody gets busy and kind of has been getting back to work. But if you think about this same time a year ago, People were baking cookies and dropping them off to people. And people were, you know, there was no flour because everybody's baking bread and like all these things, like these little bits of kindness. Those are sales conversations. Those are sales activities. And I think we overlook those. And that's part of that personal brand piece is who do you want to be known as when you're not in the room? And what are you doing to reinforce that? Why is follow-up important and why is getting, why is staying connected to people you meet important? And the reason why I'm asking this is I talk to a lot of people, a lot of business owners that don't necessarily keep email lists. 
They might help them with a, a service that, you know, like um, say career coaches or, you know, maybe a leadership coach that it's, it's, I'm giving you my program. Once that program is done, that's it. Uh, that's all I've got. So what would you say to people like that, that, you know, maybe they have a program or they have a solution that they're providing, but they're not staying connected to the people that they've served? The first thing I'd say is stay connected. Don't do that. <laughs> You're leaving business on the table. And, you know, not having an email list, there's, there are so many things that we could talk about and that's, that's your swim lane and I'll let you go there. But, but with regard to follow-up, why wouldn't you stay connected? This is a walking, living, breathing, free, I might add, commercial for you and your services. Why wouldn't you want to stay top of mind? And I think we, um, I think we assume a lot. And, I, and I'll just throw this out there. I think we assume that we're super cool and people are always thinking about us. And <laughs> it's not true. They're very busy. And so we think, of course, when somebody mentions, you know, leadership coaching, Bobby's name will come up. Uh, no, you're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> like These are really busy people. And so part of what you want to do with regard to follow-up is you're making it easy for them to continue to be an advocate for you. That's what it's about. And it's funny because when people come to visit, I, I live in San Francisco and when people come to visit, they want referrals for restaurants. And I'm like, you got to narrow it down. Like, seriously, I need price point. I need dining experience. I need cuisine. When they tell me that, then I can give them five places to go. You want to make it easy for your past customers or even the ones you didn't work with, keep them on that list as well, because it was a no for now there might be an opportunity down the road that you guys could work together or maybe you're not a fit for them, but you're a fit for a colleague of theirs or a friend of theirs or someone they meet in a networking group. So it's not their job to remember us. It's our job. They remember us. And that's why follow-up is so important. I love that. So important. <laughs> so uh, what are some ways we can help ourselves get over the fear of rejection? I think that's big. <laughs> this is huge. And even seasoned sales pros that we work with, because we work with companies to help them grow their business. So a lot of times we work with a sales team or a salesperson, and sometimes it's the owner, but they always are afraid of this. So they delay asking the question of like, hey, would you like to hire us? Would you like to do business with us? Because they're terrified of the answer. Okay, let's go back to that inner five-year-old, right? When I was five, I thought my name was no. Like, honestly, <laughs> might as well have been. Like, can I have a cookie? No. Can I have a toy? No. Can I go do this? No. So we've all been told no. We survived. We're still here. We're okay. <laughs> like, getting over that, like, giving no so much power, it's not a powerful word. It's just a word. We give no more power than the word yes. Think about that for a second. When you're selling something, you're actually giving no more power than if they write you a check. How does that make any sense? So I think we're afraid of it because we've given it that power. So what I encourage people to do that I'm coaching is take the power away from it and look at no as a gift because we fall in love with people's potential, right? So if they're like, oh, maybe or no, we keep thinking, oh, but I'll get them, but I'll get them, but I'll get them. Maybe not. Like, it's a no, maybe it's a no, never, I don't know. But what you want to do is fail fast, especially in business. If you're a small business or an entrepreneurial business, you don't have time to be chasing maybes. And let me think about it. Push for an answer, yes or no. And if it's a no, 
The good news is that gives you feedback. That gives you an opportunity to have a discussion with them and figure out why it's not a fit. Maybe you come up with a new solution or a new line of product or a new line of, of services because of the no. Maybe it's a no because they just can't afford you right now. Okay, totally fine. But you have to think about the fact that time truly is money. And you know, if you take what you make this year and you divide it by roughly 1920, so that's about a, you know 48 work weeks in a year, 40 hour work week, that gives you your hourly rate. So let's say you want to make $100,000 divided by that, it's about 52 bucks an hour. As a business owner or leader or manager, you have to think about the activities that you do in a day. They are either making you $52 or they are costing you $52. As you chase a no, that is an unprofitable activity, at least for right now. So that's where marketing comes in, right? You keep them on that file. That's that email list we're talking about. Like keep them, keep them there. Keep, keep yourself top of mind, but let it go. Fail fast. And that's a gift because they become a walking commercial for you. It's a good honoring of you know the exchange. Hey, we're not a fit for now. Totally get it. We'll shake hands, part as friends, but you're not wasting your time. So I think we have to get over the no. And one thing that I do with a lot of business owners who don't consider themselves in sales, Mm -hmm. I invite them to go after no's. Literally, I want you to actually go prospect, have conversations, and get no's. Because I also know, statistically speaking, you get nine, the 10th one is usually a yes. So you kind of desensitize yourself to it, but you learn so much through that process. And you get so much feedback on your business and on your sales process too. So what are some of your client success stories? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing ever. So a lot of our clients, we're in for a very short amount of time. We're consulting for, we get in, we coach, we fix, we get out. So their successes are long after we're gone. We've got clients that have um, grown their business to multi-state operations. We've got ones that have gone international. And one of my favorite ones was a solo practitioner. and. she came to me because she, she wanted just coaching. So we didn't do our full assessment consulting thing, just coaching. She was a solo practitioner wanting to grow her business. And just like we just talked about, she was falling in love with potential. She was chasing centers of influence. She was on every board known to man, every fundraiser. If there was an event, she was there. But these were not profitable activities for her. So we scaled back. And we just looked at where her business was coming from. And we got really strategic about it. Within one year, one year, Amy, she tripled her business. And I haven't worked with her since. She's doing great. She's doing phenomenally well. And and we keep in touch. In fact, we had a Zoom meeting a few months ago just to see how she's doing. But um, that's like one of my favorite stories because you don't have to have this giant team. You don't have to have, you know, big, deep pockets. You just have to have a plan. You have to get really specific and then you have to execute on it. And truly anybody can do that. You just take a minute to work on your business instead. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out in your journey, what would it be? So I would go back to my 20-year-old self and be like, get over the sales icky stuff like you're already doing it. So that would be be the first (laughs) that I would do. I would go back and tell my 20-year-old self, um, get over it. But I think with regard to my journey as a consultant and as a coach, I would actually tell myself to make time to prospect. And that's something that is in my sales practice, but I learned it the hard way a little bit. 
because as an entrepreneur, you're pulled in so many directions. There's always going to be business that needs your attention. There's always going to be a client that needs your attention. And so I would have told my, my early entrepreneur self, protect your admin, your strategy time, like it's your baby. And I call it green time now where it's on my calendar and it's green time. And this is my prospecting time. This is my admin time. And I think it's really crucial. So that's the advice that I would give myself. And, and if you're not making time to sell, you're leaving it up to chance. And that's something that I encourage business owners to own is if you're not actually being intentional about your sales efforts and your true sales process and making outbound calls and making outreach, who's selling for you? <laughs> yeah. No, we have to, we have to be intentional. That's really good. So Dr. Cindy, if there are people that are listening and they would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for asking. They can reach me at drcindy at drcindy.com, D-R-C-I-N-D-Y at D-R-C-I-N-D-Y.com. I'm on the social media platforms, all of them at 1ST Lady of Sales. And more importantly, I hope that we've been able to give some advice to your listeners and viewers. And I love to hear success stories. So I would love to hear how folks are taking these ideas and applying them in their own business to help them grow. Thank you so much for all of your advice today and your expertise. It's been amazing. If you're listening and you want more information about A Call to Thrive and our upcoming shows, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.